0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. A statement last night on the Fox News that went, uh, as they say, viral. A conversation about uh, the uh, pros and cons of vaping. And to argue the pro side, they somehow found this guy.
1: Well, look, I'm 22 years old, so I'm using them legally. And honestly, they're just cool. Like, they're cool. You rip them. There's nothing cooler than blowing a fat cloud like that. They call me the Colossus of Cloud. I just, it helps my swag. It helps my drip. I just love walking around. It's really good for getting chicks, too. So, honestly, I started about a year ago, and yeah. What's I haven't your looked back since.
0: Uh, Tommy Smoke, he calls himself, uh, wearing a hat last night that uh, read Vape God. That's a little odd. Uh, Look, there is a serious issue here to discuss. We've talked about it before when it comes to vaping or e-cigarettes. The enormous potential health benefits of smokers making the switch away from combustible tobacco cigarettes to vaping that does not contain tobacco and is not burning anything. Obviously, e-cigarettes are much safer than cigarettes. But that does not mean that they are safe, that they are without risk. So how do we balance wanting smokers to use e-cigarettes but not wanting non-smokers to use e-cigarettes? I guess consulting adu- consenting adults, including 22-year-old Tommy Smoke, are free to make that choice. But there is concern about teens and e-cigarettes. And the FDA uh, citing what they see as an alarming increase in the number of teens uh, using e Uh, E-cigarettes, and in particular, this product known as Juul, J-U-U-L, are starting to crack down on flavored e-cigarette pots. Just a few days before that, though, Juul itself announced that they were going to pull a bunch of their flavored pods from stores in the U.S. Uh, They're not doing the same in Canada. The Juul product uh, was just recently brought to the Canadian market already, though there are federal regulations uh, around certain flavors. So how do we balance all of this? Uh, joining us for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome back to the program uh, someone who's done a lot of research uh, on this uh, issue. David Sweeney joins us, uh, adjunct professor of law at the University of Ottawa, also advisory board chair at the Center of Health, Law, Policy and Ethics at the U of O. David, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
1: Great chatting with you again.
0: Uh, you know, and I mean, there's some new issues to tackle here, but fundamentally we're, we're still addressing the same issue we've tried to address for some time is, is striking this balance.
1: Yeah, I, I it really is the same risk-benefit analysis that we would do on anything else. You know, if we're introducing cars with lots of safety features, how do you deal with the sort of person who says, great, you know, now now I can go twice the speed limit? Um, and when we introduce uh, pharmaceutical products, you know, we, we know there will be unintended consequences. How do we limit that? Uh, and in this case, I, I think it's a matter of how do you get that trade-off because, you know, we know in in the United States, it's roughly half a million people die every year as a direct result of diseases caused by the cigarette smoking. In in Canada, as we've discussed before in your show, our, our deaths are about 100 a day from uh, uh, cigarette smoking. I mean, it's an enormous cause of, of death and disease, and it's all because of the smoke. It isn't the nicotine; it's just a really dirty delivery system. So, what can we do in offering alternatives to um, to, to people who smoke cigarettes? How do we encourage that? Uh, what sort of policies do we have in place to, you know, try to make cigarettes go the way of, uh, say, sixty-two Corvairs, a sort of you know unsafe at any speed type car as we used to have, yeah. um, and limit the uh, the unintended consequences of you know the, uh, the people like Tommy smoke. Although as, as I listened to that, I thought. This is probably somebody that, if he wasn't using a, a vaping device, would probably be bragging about how many beer he can drink.
0: Right, um, exactly.
1: So yeah, maybe vaping's a, a good trade-off for him. Maybe it's actually harm reduction. But uh, uh, who, who knows? But I, I think those are the things we have to do, and it's a question of getting it right. And one of the problems we face is that as soon as somebody starts talking about young people, um, you you can see logic rationality go out the window. I, And and that prevents us from having, I think, the sort of uh, informed discussion we need to have about how do we go about doing this? Because those young people who would be vaping, um, including young adults like Tommy Smoke, um, it's really a a risk insofar as it causes them to become addicted to nicotine and go on to smoke cigarettes. But in the meantime, the the really big loss for people like that are their parents, their grandparents, their teachers, their coaches, their friends, their neighbours – who are dying, the, the adults who are dying as a result of cigarette smoking. And we, we don't want to do things that stand in the way of people doing things to save their lives simply because there's some number of people who might do something stupid with, with the product. So how do, you, how do you get that sort of trade off? Um, what's the United States doing? What's it got right? What's it got wrong? What are we seeing in other countries, and what might we be able to do right in Canada?
0: Yeah, because it is interesting. It's significant. I mean, we're, we're really at a point or close to a point, it seems, where we could almost call it an existential crisis for tobacco, uh, that smoking rates have come down considerably. E-cigarettes are poised to, to make a big difference. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's something that the public health advocates and I mean, you're, yourself included. You know, that, that this is kind of what we hoped for. Obviously, e-cigarettes are, are a bit of a curveball maybe that we didn't see coming 20 years ago, and, and we're, we're trying to figure out how to navigate all of this.
1: Well, R- Rob, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the the cigarette companies are, are in a horrible bind. I mean, they did not uh, originate the idea of e-cigarettes. They were very happy to go on being a cartel selling cigarettes and making a tremendous amount of money. Even as the number of cigarette smokers fell, there's still massively more people smoking cigarettes than most people realize. So, you know, even our federal government's um, measurements, which typically grossly underreport the number of smokers, um, are saying there's about four and a half million smokers in Canada still. Globally, there's way over a billion. Uh, there's 20,000 people a day die from cigarette smoking. So, we're not there yet, uh, but what Jewel has seen is the same as other companies that have come along over the years. They look at this market and say, "So you've got over a billion people using a product they wish they weren't using. It's going to kill half of them. They're spending eight hundred billion U.S. dollars equivalent per year buying that product globally. And man, if, if we could come up with, with a way to give them what they want without the smoke, you know, we could become multi billionaires, save millions of lives, and win a Nobel Prize. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's do that." And, and then you run into the, all the politics of this, of, uh, you know, people who are opposed to any form of nicotine use at all, people who are opposed to a business solution to a health problem, despite business, you know, ha- having solved many of our health problems historically. Um, or people who are just so concerned about anything that might go wrong. You know, they, they strike me as a sort that if, if they were around when we were trying to eradicate smallpox, we never would have eradicated smallpox because that, too, had unintended consequences. Some people did get sick. Some people did die uh, from, uh, uh, from the, the vaccination programs. Uh, but we did manage to eradicate smallpox, and we've saved hundreds of millions of lives. So how do we take that sort of vision on something like this to say we could get rid of smoking, you know, we, we could replace cigarettes. It would be one of the biggest public health breakthroughs we've ever had. Many of the people who are currently smoking now are the most disadvantaged people in our society. And we're punishing them rather than empowering them. You know, what could we do that help them make better decisions about their own health?
0: Yeah. Now, and let's clarify a point because, look, obviously, as you said, I mean, whether it's these cigarettes or if someone comes up with some kind of nicotine energy drink, we, we don't want teens getting hooked on nicotine but is there any reason to think, though, that, that this is going to lead to more teens smoking cigarettes?
1: Well, uh, Rob, the, the interesting thing here, the irony is that you know, it only does if you do the sorts of things that the FDA is doing. You know, so they're saying that, uh, and n- not that I want to slam my U.S. government agencies, but I'm going to slam a U.S. government agency. Uh, they say that their concern is that there's uh, a lot of young people who are vaping. Uh, who they fear would get addicted to nicotine and then could switch to cigarettes you know, once they're addicted. Now, why somebody would switch to something that you know, is, kills you, makes you stink, turns you into a social pride and costs more, I, I don't know, but, but that's their fear. And their way of solving that is that they say, so what we'll do is we'll ban the vaping for them, that they won't be able to get the products they want. Well, if they're addicted to nicotine, then what are they going to do? You know, they're going to smoke, which is exactly what you say you're trying to prevent. I mean, that's just not very logical. I, I, I think that there are far better things that could be done, you know, such as, you know, in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration m- makes it illegal for a company selling things like Juul to actually tell adult smokers, these things are way safer. You should use these. They can save your life. You can't do that. So in the absence of that information, Far more smokers now believe that vaping is just as bad for them as smoking. Uh, That's been reinforced by a lot of abstinence-only anti-tobacco groups, uh, and even by the FDA itself, with a lot of uh, fear-mongering about uh, about nicotine. Uh, So we're not empowering people to make good decisions, and these products are on the market. Should we be surprised that some people are making bad decisions? You know, in the U.K., I think we're seeing quite the opposite with strong messages to smokers that you should use vaping instead. It is way safer. If you can't just totally quit, switch to vaping. And we're seeing a, a big switch to vaping. Uh, it's very noticeable anytime you're in the U.K. Uh, and we're not seeing an uptake among young people other than young people who are already smokers. So it, it looks like we can control this. And part of it is, is simply giving people honest information about what the products are about. And I, it would probably be the same as if we had a, you know, a, a great painkiller for cancer patients, but we didn't tell anybody what it was for, and teenagers found out it made a good party drug. Um, you know, we would end up seeing abuse. But yeah. you know, give people correct information about what things are for. You know, maybe, you know, get these young people to understand what the difference is in risk and have them talk to their parents or their grandparents or the, the other people they know who smoke cigarettes. I mean, how, how do we turn this to an advantage And how do we keep what we've already got uh, with with these products? You know, it looks like in a report from Goldman Sachs this week that the Juul products have captured something like 4.7% of the U.S. cigarette market already. I mean, that's huge. That's about 2 million smokers. I mean, in, in terms of health, that's enormous. And we've seen this in other countries too, Rob, that anywhere where people get a viable alternative to cigarettes, an awful lot of smokers move to them. So, you know, Sweden has this product called Snus uh, that that we've discussed before. That's an oral product, has minimal risks, and they have the lowest rate of smoking uh, among wealthy countries. Norway adopted or allowed in Snus uh, not that long ago, and in the last decade, their smoking rate's fallen by half. Now, Iceland allowed snus and electronic cigarettes reduce their smoking rate by 40% in three years. You know, we've never seen anything like that before. Uh, Japan has these products that heat rather than burn tobacco, and in two and a half years, they've eliminated a quarter of the cigarette market. South Korea is now doing something very similar, where cigarette sales are falling over uh, 10% um, at an annualized rate. As People have these heat-not-burn products. We're seeing it replicated again and again, and it's no different than seeing people move to, to safer cars or cleaner needles or safer sports equipment. That Markets can move. We just need to empower people. We need to offer them the products, give them honest information about these products, and I think use a bit of nudge, like make sure that the safer products are the cheaper products, the more accessible products. Uh, And and we really can transform markets like this. And I think it's a matter of how do we get that vision? How do we get the political leaders, the the, the health groups to see we really can deal with smoking? You know, we we can have smoking go the way of uh, what what we did with unsafe automobiles, what we did with a sort of industrial equipment that used to kill or injure one out of five workers every year. You know, what we did with railroads where we used to have massive... Um, uh... railway accidents uh... at least monthly in north america back in the uh... eighteen hundreds I mean, we we change these things we wherever we find risk we try to reduce it here we have an absolutely enormous level of risk and we know darn well we can reduce it probably by ninety nine percent or so simply by changing delivery systems and at the same time coming up with products that are less dependence producing so that the people who want to totally get off nicotine Are more likely to be able to do that. I mean, it's just a, it's a total win if we seize the opportunity. Uh, we need to control for the downside such as, you know, young people using a product, but we need to put that into perspective. You know, are we more concerned about a young person using nicotine than say energy drinks? You know, are are they that much more of a risk? And I think if we can have that rational discussion, we can seize an opportunity here and and do something that is really extraordinary in terms of of public health and and, helping, as I say, a lot of our our most disadvantaged uh, fellow citizens.
0: Yeah, well said. Now, uh, on the more narrow issue of flavors, and and this is where regulators are are struggling. Now, when it comes to cigarettes, we've essentially banned any and all flavors. When it comes to e-cigarettes, we're trying to... Restrict certain flavors, but allow for others. Where do we need to, to come down on this question, do you think?
1: Well, Rob, I think that's another one where, where science and consumer research helps us a whole lot. Um, and one of the things that we need to do more of, I, I think, is actually believe people when they tell us things. So smokers have told us for years Decades. that Most of them wish they didn't smoke. Most of them don't like their cigarettes. They don't like the taste of the cigarette. When they switch, when they try something else, and you can see this with everything from you know, what flavors of Nicorette gum you can get to what are the flavors available in a vape shop, people want something different. They don't want something that reminds them of their cigarettes. So the flavors are very important, and a variety of flavors seems to work for people to, to, to help them transition off of cigarettes there's a lot said about you know these flavors being really appealing to young people uh... you know with flavors like uh... bubblegum or candy cotton or whatever but the research i see says that not surprisingly you know young people don't use a product in order to advertise their immaturity a young person is much more likely to say i want a single malt scotch flavor or (laughs) you know i I want the uh... you know the extra harsh marlboro flavor Um, and it's often, uh, it's adults. It's, it's people who have been smoking for a long time whose lives are literally on the line that give them the, the, the greatest range of options we possibly can, and I see it as no different than what we do on other areas of promoting health. You know, if you're wanting to have a more active population, give them a range of options. Don't just tell them that, you know, the one thing you're allowed to do is play squash Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2.30 in the afternoon at a certain place against a certain person. I mean, you you want to say, you know, in a place like Calgary, fantastic for skiing, for bicycling, for jogging, for walking. There's gyms, there's tennis. I mean, what would you like to do? Uh, and I think we need to do the same things for smokers. Give them The more choices you give people, the more likely you're, you're going to be able to get that behavior change.
0: Yeah, some great points. Uh, David, we've got to leave it there. Appreciate the insight as always. Thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Great chatting with you again,
0: Rob. All right, take care. Uh, David Sweener the University of Ottawa, uh, adjunct professor in the Faculty of Law, uh, advisory board chair with the Center for Health Law, Policy, and Ethics, uh, someone who has spent uh, much of his adult life uh, battling the tobacco industry, trying to reduce smoking rates, and sees the great potential that vaping holds. But there's the other side of it, too. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.